Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by What It Takes. Today's Friday, July 31st. Bitcoin prices are up, gasoline prices are down, and we're focused on difficulties of voting within a pandemic. We obviously don't know who's going to win this year's presidential election, but we do know that the process will be more complicated than in any past election of our lifetimes, with the final result possibly not known for weeks. Voting, just like going to school or work or shopping, can't be done the way we've always done it before. For starters, some stalwart voters simply won't risk going to an in-person polling location. That means a lot more mail-in votes, thus putting added pressure not only on the U.S. Postal Service, but also on states to distribute, verify, and count those ballots in a timely manner. That fear that some have of being in crowded spaces could also depress the number of available poll workers, many of whom traditionally are retired seniors. If states and counties can't find enough volunteers, that could mean fewer polling locations and longer lines, thus making it harder for people to cast their ballots. And that doesn't even begin to address all of the safety logistics, like social distancing and wiping down voting machines or getting PPE for poll workers. Even if all of that does go okay, there's an elevated chance that the loser, or at least the loser's supporters, will claim foul play. It's the sort of thing that can destabilize society and the economy, and it could intensify if and when final results take days or weeks to determine in key states. There is arguably no state more key to presidential elections than Ohio, which has picked the winner in each of the past 14 elections. We'll talk to Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose right after this. We're joined now by Frank LaRose, Secretary of State for Ohio. So, Frank, let's start with this. Do you feel ready for November 3rd or is there still a ton of work to do? Oh, there's a ton of work to do, but we will be ready. And that's our mission. That's our responsibility as Ohio's elections officials. And the reason I say we is I may serve as Ohio's chief elections officer, but the real work is done by these bipartisan teams at 88 county boards of elections. And we started this group called the Ready for November Task Force, where we're having a weekly conversation with Ohio's elections officials and outside experts. We're working to gather the resources that we need and do the work that we need to do to be ready. The biggest thing we're focused on right now is poll worker recruitment. And that's obviously an ongoing effort to gather these 35,000 poll workers that Ohio needs to be ready for November 3rd. But when the election period starts, which, by the way, in Ohio means four weeks of early voting, four weeks of absentee voting and then Election Day voting, when that begins, Ohio will be ready. When it comes to poll workers, the cliche is it's often retirees. Do you have a sense in how many of them you're going to need to replace? Yeah, so you're right to say that a lot of our poll workers have been doing it for a long time. We honored a woman a couple of months ago who had been a poll worker for 55 years, never missed an election. And so we told our boards of elections to survey their pool of regular poll workers. Those surveys are out right now. They're working on making sure people get responses back. Some are paper, some are electronic, but they're getting surveys back from their poll workers. And in many cases, yeah, there's a high number that need to be replaced. That's why we're putting out the call to duty to a whole new generation of poll workers. And if there's a silver lining that comes from this experience, it may be that this is the year that we get a whole new group of young Ohioans excited about this really important aspect of civic engagement. You've talked about all the things you guys run, the ballots, et cetera, but you don't run the U.S. Postal Service. Are you worried that absentee ballots and mail-in ballots could overwhelm USPS in Ohio? 
Yeah, you're right to say there are a few factors outside of our control. The Postal Service is the largest factor outside of our control that could have a detrimental impact on this election. And that's why the message that we're bringing loud and clear to every Ohio voter is do not procrastinate. In fact, as we speak, we are sending out 7.8 million absentee ballot requests. So every registered voter in the state is going to get an absentee ballot request so that they can vote from the comfort of home and the safety of home by mail. And we're putting on there in bold letters, do not delay, send this in right away. Of course, the deadline says you've got up until the day before the election in Ohio to have that postmark, and then those can be received up to 10 days after. But we don't want people to wait that long. And I've been in touch with the U.S. Postal Service. We were back in the primary. I want to say that the people of the Postal Service are working hard. They're dedicated to their work. But yeah, the system is broken in some ways. And we know that mail is going to take longer than it would normally. And we've been working with the Postal Service to mitigate that. Given that Ohio traditionally, at least on the presidential side, the elections are usually fairly close. They are obviously certainly consequential. Do you have a sense on when you'll actually be able to certify, forget even certify, kind of have a pretty good sense of who actually won? It's entirely possible that we will not be able to uh, tell on election night. We will get results to the voters of Ohio on election night, as we always do. It'll take a little while longer. And so we're urging a little bit of patience. You said up to 10 days, like in terms of the receipt of them, given that you're going to have such a most likely higher preponderance of mail-in and absentee ballots than you normally would, is there a decent chance that we could be talking 10, 11 days until we know who won Ohio? Oh, absolutely. And that's entirely possible. Remember, Ohio does tend to come down to tight margins. We expect our candidates to earn it here. We don't give landslides away in Ohio very often. But I will say that we're in a better position than a lot of other states because we can start to process those vote-by-mail ballots as they come in. In states like Michigan, my friend Jocelyn Benson, the Michigan Secretary of State just up the road, she's not even allowed to start opening those envelopes until Election Day. And she's really concerned that it may be days and days before they even have initial results, let alone the certified results. You obviously know the national political conversation being driven by President Trump. Why will mail-in voting, again, assuming we have a much larger number in Ohio, why will the results be valid or legitimate? Well, first of all, in Ohio, we've had what they call no-fault absentee, which simply means everybody that wants to can vote by mail in Ohio. We've had that for over almost 20 years, and Ohioans on both sides of the aisle politically have trusted it, and we have important safeguards in place. We prohibit so-called ballot harvesting. We don't let party activists go around and collect ballots. Only the voter or a member of the voter's family can return the ballot to the Board of Elections. We maintain accurate voter lists, and I apologize to nobody for following the law and maintaining the accuracy of Ohio's voter rules. We also don't send out ballots to everybody unless they request one. And when you do request it, you have to authenticate with your name, the last four of your social driver's license number, one of those two signature has to match. And so there are safeguards to make sure that you are who you say you are before you get your ballot. And also in Ohio, we have an important technology that other states should look at and emulate if they're not doing it already. And that is we have ballot tracking. So just like when you order a package online, you can track it. You can track your ballot in Ohio so you know what day it's going to be received at your house. And then you know once you've sent it back in that it's been received by the Board of Elections. Voting by mail is just one of the trustworthy choices in Ohio. But of course, we will still have in-person Election Day voting in Ohio as well. Is it your expectation that you will have, generally speaking, the same number of open physical polling locations on November 3rd as Ohio had four years ago? That's certainly the goal. Now, those decisions are made by the bipartisan county boards of elections. So I don't change our select polling locations. Normally, there's close to 4,000 polling locations. We want to have all of those open so that it's convenient for voters. But it's going to come down to how many poll workers we have. If we're not able to recruit enough poll workers, we will not be able to open that many polling locations.
How worried are you that you won't be able to get enough people and thus it will literally be harder for people in Ohio to vote? We don't want to see polling locations closed. And so the main focus right now is on poll worker recruitment. And we've got some really innovative programs that we're doing where we're anything from reaching out to companies in Ohio and asking them to give their employees a paid day off. And we've had a great response to that, to just last week, we were able to convince the Ohio Supreme Court to award lawyers continuing education credits. And anybody you know who practices law is always looking for chances to earn those CLE continuing education credits. And so now they can get credits for being a poll worker. And also in Ohio, 17-year-olds can sign up to be poll workers. And so we're putting out the call to duty. VoteOhio.gov is the place to go to sign up. And we hope we'll get those 35,000 we need so that we can open all the polling locations in Ohio. Is there anything you've been able to look back on from generations earlier to give any sort of education to you and to the people you work with about kind of workarounds in voting in an unusual time? I was listening to a podcast about that a couple of weeks ago about sort of the history of voting and the creativity brought to it. I think that the biggest lesson is trust your local elections officials. We've got a very decentralized system of elections here in the state of Ohio and throughout the country. We have county by county elections, and these are administered by people in bipartisan teams at the county level that bring a great deal of creativity and dedication to the work. We've seen that play out over and over again. I've seen in Ohio when a building becomes unusable because the carbon monoxide alarms going off, they drag the voting machines out in the parking lot and they hold a voting location out there in the open air. I saw that just last year. I mean, the kind of creativity that the boards of elections bring to this to me gives me a lot of hope. Ohio did have to delay its primaries because of COVID-19 spikes, and the state is starting to trend up. Could you foresee any situation in which you have to delay the November 3rd date because of the pandemic? That would be a terrible idea. There should be no delay in the election. In fact, I didn't want to delay the primary election. This is a decision that was made and we had to react to it. But elections should happen on a predictable schedule. Now, obviously, in the midst of mid-March, all the states were declaring emergencies. That just happened to be the time when Ohio was scheduled to hold our primary. So we were making decisions on the fly and all as we were kind of learning how to live in a pandemic, which is something, you know, unless you were alive in 1918, none of us really knew what that was going to be like. The governor made the decision that it was not going to be safe to have in-person voting. And so we concluded it as an all postal election in Ohio. And so lessons learned from that. Listen, people continued to go to grocery stores. People continued to go to pharmacists. And if these retailers and private businesses around the state have found creative ways to do it, listen, if you can go to the grocery store, then you can go to the polling location. Frank LaRose, Secretary of State of the great state of Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Welcome back. What we're watching today is SenseTime, the Chinese facial recognition company that was blacklisted by the U.S. late last year for its alleged role in helping the Chinese government round up and quote-unquote re-educate Uyghur Muslims. Reuters reports that the company, which has lots of big-name U.S. investors like Fidelity, is in talks to go public on China's star market stock exchange. It had earlier entertained the idea of a New York IPO, but the blacklist basically makes that impossible. Finally, we're keeping an eye on Asias, a storm that hit hurricane strength over the Bahamas earlier this morning and is turning toward the U.S. Or as the Washington Post puts it, Asias is now, quote, tracking perilously close to Florida this weekend and the rest of the East Coast next week. Remember, all hurricanes that make landfall are disasters for the communities that they hit. But right now, it's elevated because people are supposed to social distance, not pack into crowded school gymnasiums. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national avocado day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Axios Recap.